In a world where most couples are overwhelmed with the business of life, it can feel pretty outlandish to talk about big dreams like running off to Hollywood. But the truth is that talking with your spouse about your dreams is a really important part of building a great marriage, and it's fun too. And so that's what we're talking about today. The Legendary Marriage Podcast begins now. If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Every couple wants to have a great marriage, but the trials and challenges of life pull us in different directions. But you can have a legendary marriage filled with passion, fun, and adventure together. That's why each week we share stories and ideas about building a life, a love, and a legacy together. And at the end of every episode, we challenge you to find a time with your spouse to build more intimacy and connection by having conversations that matter. Hello there, it's Danielle and Justin again. Welcome to episode 189 of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Yes, this week we are thrilled to have Erica Warnick on the show, Hollywood right. success coach. I feel like it's like a superstar moment, honey, that we are having here. Yeah, it is. It's like uh, she f- helps stars fulfill their dreams, but I was yeah. getting like starry-eyed and dreamy-eyed just talking to her because, you know, of all the shows she's been on and all the stars yeah. she's been around. We, we and were, she's just amazing. Okay, I think... This, for marriage purposes, you and I, if we talk about dreams, you had, which you share in this episode, a dream to be an actor and do all that stuff. You have like a million dreams. And a I, million different <laughs> dreams keeping me awake. Exactly. And I am lacking in the dream department. So I think that's why we were put together You're in this crazy world. You're just going to skip over my breaking out in a show tune there? I loved it. What was that from? Is that from Grace Showman? Greatest Showman. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. I think so. Oh. See, exactly what I'm saying here. You are very dreamy. Mm-hmm. I am not so much dreamy. No. But I mean, you're dreamy, but... You have a lot of dreams that I can get on board with, for sure. Sure. Like our wanderlust, like, hey, we're going to get a camper and travel the world. Yes. Did I tell you I bought a Sprinter van? I'm just waiting for you to actually do that. And then (laughs) I don't know what I'm going to do. Danielle comes home one day and why is there a Sprinter van in our driveway? You did that with my minivan. So why would I think there would be any different? Okay. You're dragging that up again? Okay. I always drag that up. We had already agreed that that's what we were doing. I just pulled the trigger. Okay, as Erica shares about the shows that she's worked on, it made me think, what shows are we loving right now Mm. amid quarantine? Because we're not going to lie. We are definitely Netflix and Hulu and all those bingers. We just finished uh, The Last Dance, the the story about the Oh, Michael Jordan documentary. Jordan and the, the Chicago Bulls. That was really, really fascinating. You really challenged me today to be more like Michael Jordan and Scotty Pippen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, oh, yeah. I great. mean, obviously the themes in there are like resilience and like, you know, they're playing a championship game. One, one finals game, Mike gets food poisoning. Yes. And it was questionable if it was intentional or not. Oh, definitely it was intentional. And then, and he just like plays through. Like Ugh. guts it out. I and, don't have and that. And the fortitude. final Scott Pippen like Scott. injures his back 
and he can barely walk and he can barely walk but he just Plays keeps keeps being there as a deep i mean it was it's a great uh it's a great so you're all about that yeah. i'm doing the good place right now yeah with Kristen bell oh Kristen bell i love a good laugh i had a hard time getting into it when it first came out on tv yeah we watched like the first couple episodes and then we were like me but it's somehow, really it wasn't good. that we had a hard time getting into it i didn't have a hard time getting into it it was just like there were so many other like superhero shows to watch Please stop. Okay. I think we need to get to our conversation with Erica before we yes. go down a rabbit hole that we definitely yes. cannot get out of. All right. Today's guest is my friend. I've been Facebook friending her for years. <laughs> Stalking her. I mean, um, friending her. Erica Warnick. She is Hollywood's leading success coach. Erica has worked on shows like Brothers and Sisters, Young Sheldon, The Office, one of Danielle's favorites, Superstore, Heck yeah. and everybody's favorite, Glee. And she, Erica has Possibly. been coaching people to achieve their dreams in Hollywood, get booked on shows, and chase down their dreams every day for years. Now, she's out coming out with a new book yeah. called You Were Meant for This. And, and we nabbed one of the very first interviews. The book isn't even out yet. Yeah, it's not even out yet. But we thought with, with uh, married couples, a lot yeah. of times we forget about our dreams or they go mm -hmm. on the back shelf or whatever it is. And so I feel like this is time to dream again. So we it's wanted tough, to have It's tough to find time to dream Erica. and talk about dreams when you're trying to <laughs> record a podcast in the eight minutes that you have between times when we have to oversee the children being homeschooled downstairs. We're not going to bring that no. up. I'm trying to have some escapism here. <laughs> Why are you bringing that up? All right. Up? Without any further ado, let's get to our conversation with Erica Warnick. All right, we are so happy to have Hollywood's leading success coach, Erica Warnick, on yes. the show today. And she's going to share a little bit about her upcoming book, Meant for This. And it's all about pursuing your dreams. And she is a Hollywood insider. Um, but we're also going to talk about pursuing dreams, too, because Justin, I feel like sometimes it's where a dreams go to die in a marriage. So yeah. I'm saying yeah. all three of us are together Not necessarily in, saying, in our marriage. All three of us are saying dreams are welcome and we just yes. got to pour some fuel on it. So Erica, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. I feel so honored. Oh my gosh. We're so excited. I've been geeking out all week telling Danielle like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for Friday. We're going to talk to Erica. <laughs> yeah. So she's like a superstar. She's be, she's been on uh, Glee, and she has uh, people that are on this This Is Us, like some of yeah. our favorite favorite shows of all time. So yeah. she's a real Hollywood insider. So um, if you want to dish and give us some cool stuff, like we're not going <laughs> to stop you for sure, Erica. But I want to know, like, how did you get interested in like pursuing a dream in Hollywood? Were you like the little kid that like starred in the plays and all that? Yes. <laughs> I like, yes, no, but I didn't, I wasn't the star though. And I think that, um, that is part of what led me to coaching, but I grew up acting and singing and it was my life. Like throughout high school, I was president of the chorus. I was secretary of the drama club. I mean, total theater geek. That's why Glee was like an epic show for one of my first big shows to work on. Oh my oh, gosh. Yeah. It, it's it's nobody ever asked me about it, but Glee is one of my favorite shows. Really, well, for the same for the same reasons. I was yeah. I was I was you. 
when I was in high school. Yeah. Justin was like Danny in Greece and like all the like lead guys. And he went to college and got an acting scholarship and everything. And, and it yeah. was such a trip and what watching happened to Glee you? and seeing all the... Okay, so that you you weren't like me. You were way better than me. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't well, know. but I, now he really did. He had the dream of going to New York and all this, but you never went. So no. you needed Erica back then. See, what I did was I fell into the trap of, of I got a scholarship to college, yeah. a theater scholarship. And I went to college to, to study theater. I was like, I got to a point where I was like, what am I doing? Yeah. Like either strap on a pair, head out, head to New York or LA and do it or move on. And then you moved on. Yeah. But Erica didn't. So no. Erica, so how did you, like, how did the bug take real place here? And you were just like, oh my gosh, this is going to be my life. Like, I love this. I, so, so I did, like I said, I did drama, I, I sang and I acted. And then in college I did it. I, that wasn't my major. I went to school for graphic design, but I went, I did, you know, on the side in their extracurricular yeah. kind of stuff. I was still acting. And in the, actually in high school, I started designing flyers for the shows and I was in charge of the newsletter. And I remember one day I was designing the newsletter with my friend and she was like, Erica, you've spent like 20 minutes trying to choose a font. Can we move on? <laughs> and I was like, but I love fonts. This is so cool. So, um, so I really found my love of graphic design and that's what I chose to pursue. But I still had, you know, this love for theater and for acting. And it was always going to be Hollywood for me. Like it wasn't necessarily Broadway that I was super excited about, even though I grew up singing. Um, and when I was in high school, the summer before senior year, I did a theater intensive at UCLA. Mm. And I thought LA was the coolest freaking thing. I mean, I got off that plane and I was with a friend and I was like, can you believe it? We're here. We're here in Los Angeles. And he was like, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I can see the smog. Mm -hmm. I know. And <laughs> what's funny is that that program, I mean, that summer I was just like, I have to live here. I, this is, I love it. I was very enamored by the glamour of it all. Um, I snuck into a premiere like, I mean, it was just so stereotypical LA. It was America. Okay, what was, what was the premiere? America's Sweethearts. <gasps> okay. Julia Roberts. Oh, yeah. Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah. Did you we see actually, Julia? Like, she's one of oh, my yeah. favorite favorites. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, because we snuck into the after party. And, yeah, I got to see everybody. I mean, it was just incredible. But what's funny is when I left, I was like, yes, LA is so beautiful and amazing. But in that program, we weren't really allowed to leave the few block radius of UCLA by ourselves. <laughs> okay. So I'm like thinking that LA is the most beautiful place ever. And I've only seen like three blocks of Westwood, which is one of the nicest neighborhoods in LA. So it's I mean, like now where the people, we all have to live in like a bubble where we don't leave anywhere. Right. Like, right. Oh yeah. It was like that. Just stay so, here. You're fine. <laughs> yeah. So then, you know, of course, when I moved here, I had discovered that not every inch of LA is that glamorous, but I think that bug really, you know, really started. And I remember one day I was watching 13 going on 30 mm. oh, and yeah. you know that movie, right? Okay. Oh, yeah. it. So do you remember the scene where, uh, he give he gives her razzles the candy? Yes. yes. Okay. Well, I did not know that razzles was a real candy. I don't know that either. It's a real candy. I thought it was fake and a light bulb went off and I was like, oh my gosh, a graphic designer had to have made that. 
And so that is where it started. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then of course I found out Razzles is a real candy. And mostly because in movies, you don't have to worry about product placement as much as the way that you do in television. Mm. Um, But I discovered what graphics for television and movies were from that. And that started it. And I just, yeah, I just felt so pulled to be here. So I want to go back for a second. You said you went to college for graphic design and you know, I got the first chapter of the book. <laughs> oh yeah. And, oh, and Justin, you know that story. Yeah. Justin got the yeah. early release and version. Like, I, just the more, the more I read and the more just this conversation so far, I'm like, we are such kindred spirits. And so anyways, <laughs> I'll have to, I'll send you pictures of the posters I designed for plays in oh high school, <laughs> including the one that had like, I mean, this was in the late nineties or early nineties. Yeah. Like graphic design was pretty rough back so, then. So, yeah. so one that was like the bitmap. Uh-huh. Right. It was, uh-huh. it was, it looks so bad now. You oh look back God. and you're just like, oh. Justin, she's not as old but, as you are. So no, I'm not no. that far her, behind. her poster didn't look that bad. <laughs> There's a great scene in Friends where they do a flashback episode to uh, college and Ross is putting up a flyer for his band and yeah. it was made from like, you know, clip art and whatever. And he's like, yeah. Helvetica 24 point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, I still, this yesterday I was working on something and Daniel's like, oh, just pick a font and move on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The tw- the twenty um, minutes thing. I was like, "Whoa, twenty minutes! That's pretty fast to pick up." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> that was the thought that I had. So, Erica. So, well, no, no. Oh, this is I was. We so have to go back to, to college, you, graphic design, <laughs> and you, you know, this this dream of design ignited in you, and you started to pursue it. And and am I right? Like, there wasn't even a program at the school for it when you started. She's a pioneer. Well. If you go back and read that first chapter again, yeah, um, <laughs> there was a program, but you don't get in until your junior year. That's right. That's right. So you don't know. You like freshman year of college, sophomore year of college, you don't even know if you're able to pursue the major that you wanted to pursue. Mm. Wow. So how did I want to know? How did you get really? You said you've been you've been in Glee. You've been like all these other amazing shows that you've had. You've been a part of, or you've had clients that are a part of. Like, how did you really like start pursuing your dream? Because I'm thinking your parents. Like, if they're anything like my parents would have been, like they would have had a real mixed bag about like. Oh, you're going to make it in Hollywood, huh? Like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Um, like, what do you do um, with this big dream that you have? And did you ever have any, like, naysayers around you, like friends or family that were like, mm, let's just dial it back, Erica? <laughs> you know, I was really lucky because my parents were very supportive. I don't know. I should ask them. I don't know what they really thought about the potential of me succeeding, Mm-hmm. Um, but they were very supportive in like letting me pursue my dreams. And I mean, they were very upset that I was moving 3000 miles away. Mm. And even to this day, 12 years later, my dad still says, move home, move home. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I didn't really have naysayers around me. And if I did, I feel like I tuned it out because I was so tunnel vision of, I just, I just felt so pulled. Like, I just felt like this is what I was supposed to do. Now I know you work, um, you do some mindset work with, um, current actors right now that are trying to get jobs or they're in between jobs or they're trying to get a land, a real role on a show. Like, um, have you had, um, 
issues that they've come in contact with, like roadblocks or like, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, I'm not good enough for this, or, you know, I'm never going to get that big dream fulfilled. I might as well just move back home. And, you know, have, have they battled some of that, even the big Hollywood stars? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, I haven't necessarily worked with big Hollywood stars. I don't, <laughs> you know, what your categories are for that, but um, yes, I mean, I think, I think every artist, no matter, you know, where you are struggles, you know, has doubts and has fears. And I think, you know, a lot of what I talk about is the Hollywood narrative, which is probably true of most quote unquote big dreams, which is just exactly what you were saying. Like, this is like winning the lottery. Your chances are so small. How, you know, like this is not, a, this is a waste of time. You need a plan B, you need a backup plan. You know, that narrative is so prevalent and we have been taught that for so long that it's, it's nearly impossible to then not take on those doubts yourself. Yeah. So how do you encourage people when you find them in that space where like, Oh, this dream's never going to work. I'm never going to get that role. I'm never going to do that thing. Like, how do you encourage them in that space when they're really down on themselves? I mean, it depends on the person and like where they're at. I try to meet people where they're at, but I have these 10 pillars of a high achiever that is chapter two of my book. Um, and one of the pillars is how you view your past, present, and future. And how you view your future is that your success is inevitable, just period. So you have to go into something believing that you are going to succeed no matter what. Mm. because if you, you know, it, it doesn't mean that you can't have those doubts and have those fears, but the desire has to be louder. You have to get to a place where you can believe that your success is inevitable. And this is why I'm like really excited about my book and why I titled it meant for this is because myself and the artists that I coach, this isn't just like a big goal that they're trying to achieve. It's something that they feel like they're meant to do. You know, it's something that they feel like they're meant for. And I think if you feel like you're meant for this, you can't spend time focusing on, you know, it not working out or what happens if it doesn't, you've got to get into that mindset, into that energy of believing that your success is inevitable. I think so often, uh, entrepreneurship, artistry, like the, these things are, are, have similar kinds of dynamics. Yeah. I think so often people have a dream and they get stuck. I do in strategies and tactics and tools mm -hmm. and skills and, and, and practicing and, and the craft and, and things like that. And, uh, you know, that's important, but what you're talking about feels like it's, it's linchpin. It's, it's, it's key. Yeah. It's more about like doing the, like going after it than it is knowing everything. <laughs> I mean, totally. I think that a hundred percent what you're saying, because same thing in Hollywood, you know, there's strategies and tactics and, and, and whatnot that people can get really wrapped up in, but the main reason people struggle is because they don't believe their success is inevitable. Because when you believe that you're going to succeed, you do different strategies and different tactics mm. than when you don't really believe it, you know, when you're very doubtful. Um, you know, your belief is 100% controlling those actions. And I believe that, you know, and this has been my, um, my experience and why I wanted to put out this book. Like, I believe that there's you know, there's basic strategy. There's a basic foundation, a, you know, for pursuing your dream for any dream. Like, yes, it's going to require strategy, but at the same time, if you can leverage 
your belief it's going to lead you to the ideas. It's going to lead you to the mentors. It's going to lead you to the connections. You know, I call it inspired strategy. I feel like you get the inspiration to where you need to go to create your own path. Do you know the top three problems that married people face? Number one, having the same stupid fights over and over. Wait, didn't we just have this argument yesterday? Ugh. Number two, your conversations are transactional and devoid of any fun. Your reading spousal relation, let us complete our regular duties and return to our charging stations. And this is the biggest one. Number three, you haven't had sex or it hasn't been good. Wait, what? In so long, you've started calling it me time. Are you on your phone? Are you done yet? Does any of this sound familiar? Because if so, you're not alone. You know that marriage can and should be full of passion, fun, adventure, and laughter, but most couples end up in the roommate zone. Not what I signed up for. Whatever has you in the roommate zone, we want to help you break out. All you have to do is go to soulmateschallenge.com and register today for the Roommates to Soulmates Challenge, and you can reignite the intimacy and connection in your marriage in just five days. Don't believe us? Try it. Register today at soulmateschallenge.com. It's free and could transform your marriage forever. And we have a money-back guarantee. And free? Well... Okay, how do we get there? How do you, how do you get to that belief? Like we were talking about this yesterday yeah. or the day before about something else. And like, yeah, one of the key things is do you believe that this is possible, that it can be successful, that it can work? I Yeah, I mean, I think that there's like a couple things. It's like one, there's a couple things. Okay, first of all, the belief, it's, and again, same for the entrepreneurship. Like it, it's just a thought you keep thinking, right? Mm -hmm. As Abraham Hicks says, and it's stored in your subconscious. So it's just a thought you keep thinking that's stored in your subconscious. So, you know, on the surface, all you have to do is change that story. And so you create a new story for yourself, like my success is inevitable. And you start to really, you know, you say the affirmation, you meditate on it, you do all those things. And eventually you'll get to a place where you believe it enough that you can move forward. But I think that another thing that helps with your subconscious is proof, finding proof. Mm -hmm. So for example, I, this is a great example. I was on a call once, a group call, and one of my clients, you know, we were talking about this idea that it's like winning. It's so rare. It's like winning the lottery. And I said, you know, especially like actors, their coveted role is a series regular on a TV show, which just right. means they're a leading role in, their, in every episode. So I said, okay, it's like winning the lottery. Can you name me people you know that have won the lottery? And she was like, I don't think I know anyone. I'm like, okay. Can you name me people you know who are series regulars? And she's like, well, I do. I have a couple of friends. I have this person and this person and this person and this person. It's like, okay. So already we have proof that it's not as rare as winning the lottery. And it's, it's all about what we choose to focus on. Because I always say both sets of data exist. Like there is data that says, sure, this is hard. Not as many people succeed. You know, very elite few make it to the top. But there's also data that says, but you could be that elite that makes it to the top. And it's all around us. I think one thing that blew my mind is after being, sorry, there's a big truck outside. They're filming outside of my apartment today. Oh, um, cool. Anything interesting? I don't know. I haven't asked them. Um, but You can't leave your house. You don't know. I know. I want to do. Um, but one thing that blew my mind after I had been in this industry for like some years is how many people I knew who were successful. And it felt like, 
okay. This it like it doesn't have to be as rare as we think. And so when your subconscious can go, oh, there's proof. Like I know this person who's doing well, and this person who's doing well, and this person just made a shit ton of money on that show, and this, you know, keep going. And then so your subconscious starts to get proof that goes, oh, okay, so maybe my success is possible. Mm. Yeah. And it, I I think of a part too is like surround yourself with people that are going after dreams too. Like if they're, you know, otherwise you're not going to be able to list off all those people. Like, yeah. And not just people who are going for it, but people who have a positive mindset about going yeah. for it. Cause there's a lot of people out here that are going for it. Like one thing that I've been talking about with my clients is like, for example, I feel bad saying this out loud, but like, I just got someone asking to be on my podcast two days ago and they said, Hey, I'm a struggling artist. And I love to talk about my struggles. I even wrote a book about it. Can I come on your podcast? And mm. right. And so like, there's a lot of people, right? Like there's, there's an, someone on Instagram where their handle has the words broke actress in the handle. Right. And so yeah. there's a lot of that kind of conversation. So it's not just, you want to surround yourself with people who are pursuing their dreams. You want to pursue, yeah. you know, be around people who are pursuing their dreams with, you know, a positive and abundant mindset. Yeah, it's interesting the 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 kind of identity that we attach to, mm-hmm. you know, the mm-hmm. being the broke, broke, being <laughs> you know struggling, being broke, being sick, being you know whatever, mm-hmm. um, and then trying to change that narrative from a place of telling that telling ourselves that narrative day and you're like, do you want to be a uh, struggling artist forever? Like, is that what you want to do? Well, it's it's, chapter six in my book, by the way. (laughs) There we go. And for the the money coming soon. This is so interesting. You know, the, those social media handles and things like that. And like the, Hey, I'm the, the kind of thing that really does. You said narratively and yeah. And, and it's even identity. Like we do a lot of identity work with, mm-hmm. yeah. with people. Me too. And and it is a big part of stripping off the be who you think that they think that they want you to be and oh, be gosh, who you think exhausting. that you want it and just actually like who are you and what Well, I bet you there's you a lot of being an actor that is that piece. Yeah. And then like how do you separate that from like, oh no, this is who I really am? <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Identity is a huge piece of it, not even just with the money. I mean, you know, I, like I said, I talk about this in my book, you know, people like the term starving artist that, you know, it's like starving and artists are almost synonymous. We hear that all the time. And so it's not even just like identifying, you know, with your money mindset around what you're doing, but how do you like, do you even identify as someone who would succeed at a dream? Do you identify as the person like, one time I had a client come to me and he was like, you know, I always get so close to booking things and then it falls apart and it doesn't happen. Or I like am the runner up or I'm, I'm on a veil. And, um, he's like, I feel like I'm the close call guy. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, that's your identity that you've chosen right now. Yeah. You can't identify as the close call guy. You've got to identify as a person who's like, oh my gosh, look at all the proof that I'm on my way. This is happening. You use the term starving artist and you know, I think, I don't know if we were recording when we were talking about this or not, but part of, uh, I went to college on a theater scholarship and I was, you know, had people telling me, okay, you, you can do this. Like, if you want to go, you're going to be, you could, you could be really successful at this. And I was like, okay, great. And I went, okay, what's the, what's the roadmap here? And as I stood there in my dorm room, um, depressed and frustrated and everything, I went, 
okay, so I can either study or I can, I can go out, I can go west or I can go east, you know, New York mm-hmm. or LA and starve living in my car, mm-hmm. waiting tables and, you know, that narrative yeah. Yeah. for a decade or I can shift my focus, do something that, that something else I'm, I'm interested in, I'm passionate about, I'm good at and be successful there. And I'm just like, that, you that, think that, narrative, you back? that narrative really, it, the narrative we buy into really does define whether or not we, we move toward or away from a dream. Totally. And because that is one reality, but it doesn't mean it has to be your reality. Yeah. I mean, there, you know, Man, and I'm not saying that, you know, it doesn't take time. You know, it takes time. I mean, for me, I've been so driven by my dream. Like it's just been such a big part of me that I didn't care about any of that. Like, I just like, I'm just working towards my dream. I'm working towards my, you know, like it's almost like being an entrepreneur, you know, when you quit your nine to five and you, you know, you leave the stable thing behind and that, I mean, it's, it's so similar, but your reality could have been like, you know, especially in television as an actor, it could have been like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And in a year, I mean, it's a hundred percent possible that I could be making $20,000 an episode next year. Right. I mean, like there's so much that's possible. And when you speak to what's possible as to speak, you know, the good stuff as to speaking the bad stuff, you know, you get what you believe, you get what you focus on. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering too, like, I'm sure you've worked with people that, um, just do get in that down place. Like what is the result of like having an unlived dream, like what happens to people when they, you know, push it back and just say, yeah, that was a dream. That's something I'm super passionate about, but I'm not going to go after it for whatever reason they're scared or they're, you know, don't want to fail or whatever it is. Like what happens to those unlived dream people? I mean, I don't work with them, (laughs) but I, I, you know, it's, it's hard for me because that breaks my heart and I, I get it. And, and to me, it's like, that is why most people don't pursue it. That's why most people, you know, like when my clients like, look, I've been through depression on this journey. Many clients have gone through depression. I mean, I think as an artist, when you're on that path and you're not quite there yet. And so you're not doing the thing that you love. There's a lot of pain. You know, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of anxiety, and there's a lot of self-worth questioning happening. Um, I think all of that is a part of it for sure. Um, but I totally forget what I was going to say about that. I just lost my train of thought. Damn it. But yes, I mean, depression is cer- certainly a part of it. Um, but, you know, people like, like if a client, for example, is, as I was going to say, if a client is pursuing an agent, like I'm doing right now with the book, right? If you reach out to 20 agents and after 20, you're getting 20 rejections or no responses, you can feel really discouraged, right? And right there is the moment where you can go, okay, like nobody wants to work with me. No one's signing me. This sucks. I'm not good enough. And really go into that negative spiral. Um, And that right there, and I always tell my clients, this moment right here is why most people don't succeed and don't continue. Mm. And right here is also so normal in the path to the really big success that you want. You know, it's like, like I always say, like one of my clients is signed with a top 25 manager. Now she cold emailed 250. 
You know, so it's so common to get rejected a whole bunch of times or, you know, for it to take some time for you to have to be persistent. Like all of those things that feel like soul crushing are actually totally normal on the path. If you take a look at any person's success journey. Mm. That makes me think of my kids. Like, you know, they're um, first and third grade. So there's a lot of things that are very new to them. Like you're learning to read, you're learning to write, you're doing all this stuff. And when they don't get it right out of the gate, it's, you know, they're just devastated. They're just so frustrated. Oh, and I can't ride a bike and I can't, you know, oh my gosh. And I'm like, how, where do we get this idea that something is not going to be hard work, that it doesn't take practice, that it doesn't take repetition? Because... Um, anything that I've ever been good at has taken practice and repetition. So, uh, how would this be any different? (laughs) It's like we have to reprogram something. Like there's a default setting. Yeah. Like move away from pain. Don't, don't take the risk. Like, like it's easier to dream about something than it is to, to actually commit to it. Totally. But it's like, can you imagine going to a doctor and he's like, um, I took one course in <laughs> learning how to be a doctor. And so now I'm a doctor. So you should trust me with yeah. all of your, you know, illnesses and problems. You know, I think, I mean, I don't, I don't know if this is the reason, but I think it contributes. So we live in a very instant gratification culture at the moment. And I mean, even in the entrepreneur world, and this is something that I've personally struggled with, you know, the overnight success quote unquote, the, mm-hmm. oh, I made seven figures in one year and I have $50,000 months after three months of starting a business, you know, like it, it there's a lot of language that yeah. is sold that feels like overnight success. Yeah. And I want to know, like, how do you, um, help people tap into their specific goals and dreams? Cause I'm sure there are some people that come to you. You said like the, the golden ticket is like a recurring, on a TV series. Like, um, I'm sure not everybody wants to do that. I'm sure there are people that are like, I just want to be an extra in law and order, or I just want to be like on the big screen and that is it. Um, or like, how do you help them tune into like, what's really a good, good path for them? I think I'm not going to work with an extra. If your dream is to be an extra, that, that sure. doesn't, all you have to do is go sign up at Central Casting and you're done. Um, oh, okay. But, uh, you know, like, cause I like to work with people that have really big dreams and what I have found, I, I'm not going to tell anybody what their goals should be. Like they, they need to decide that for themselves. But what I found, you know, if like sometimes I've worked with people who feel like they're unsure and they're, they don't have a lot of clarity around it. And they, you know, they want different things. Every time I've worked with that person, they've totally been sure. They've just been too scared to say it out loud. Mm. So, and I, I think that's true of a lot of people and why I felt really passionate of writing the book and kind of what that first chapter was about. It's like giving people space and permission to say, you want to go to the moon? Cool. Let's do it. You know, to, to give people permission to really say what those big dreams are inside of them. You know, like I, when I do private sessions with clients, I always start out, um, asking them like, you know, making them write down a list of everything they want and people either laugh or they cry and they cry because they're, they're so emotional that like, 
they're saying this out loud, you know, like, oh my gosh, someone's allowing me to say this out loud. And if they laugh, it's to say, oh, I know it's crazy. I want an Oscar, but he, I want an, you know, like they're afraid that they, they think that I'm going to judge them and say that it's crazy. So there's so much judgment around, you know, quote unquote, big dreams that people are often just too afraid to even say that it's what they want. I wonder what yeah. the fear is behind saying like, I want to win an Oscar. Like, why is it scary to want something big? I don't, I, th I don't, I mean, there's so many pieces of it, but it's so much of it is judgment, you know, yeah. how, how they're going to be perceived and how people are like fear of judgment stops people from so many things on, on the Hollywood pursuit. Like people are afraid to submit to an agent. They're afraid to, you know, they're afraid to do so many things because they're afraid of how they will be judged and yeah. perceived. Yeah. Wait, what's the uh, what's the fear in signing with with an agent? What'd you Rejection. Not not signing, but submitting. Right? They're they're afraid. Like yeah, like well, but they're afraid too. Like I don't want to be perceived as annoying, so I shouldn't cold email them. You know, like people are afraid of being perceived as annoying, or they're afraid of saying the wrong thing, and they think it's going to burn a bridge, and they're never going to work again. Like, you know, it's all about like that fear of what are people going to think of me taking this bold action? Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think it's you know we're bringing it into the context of marriage here, like marriage podcast. Um, yes. What was so interesting to me about this whole conversation is how little couples actually share with each other about their dreams, how little they talk about the big, crazy Oscar kinds of things that they want in life. You yeah. Know, that, and that person that's for right, most couples that to person talk about budgets. really close to you in your family. Yeah. It could be scary to tell your sister that you want an Oscar, or it can be scary to tell your husband. It can be scary to tell your dad or whatever. Um, it doesn't have to be like a big Hollywood agent. Yeah. Like it could yeah. just be somebody in your family that's going to judge you. And sometimes that's the scariest because, you know, I, I wrote about this in another chapter. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> sorry, it's fresh on my mind because I've been writing every day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's sometimes it's scariest with people, you know, our family, first of all, there's like a couple things. One, sometimes we attach love to pride. So if our family isn't proud of us, then it feels like they don't love us. And so if we tell a family member that we want to pursue a big dream that might seem crazy in their eyes, um, and then they wouldn't be proud of that or whatever, it then it has that, you know, fear of feeling not you know, not feeling loved. And I think the other piece of it is if a family member doesn't support it or, you know, has a lot of doubts about it, our family is supposed to be the people that know us the best. Yeah. And if the people who know us the best are doubting our potential to succeed, that is like one of the biggest triggers, right? It triggers that fear in ourselves because i think that we all are going to have a piece of a fear that doubts that this can happen and if it's coming if being reflected back to us from the people who know us the best that can be really painful so if if somebody has a big dream the one of the first kind of steps is to just say it out loud tell somebody right mm -hmm. so when somebody comes and says hey honey i'm i'm had a loved that interview with erica and i'm gonna go out to la and <laughs> Take a stab at pilot season. What should that what should that person say? Oh, you mean like how should they reveal how their big they, No, no, no. How dream? should they respond? 
when, when, oh. when you share a dream, how, when someone shares a dream, how do you respond? How do you, how do you push back the fear, the, the doubt, the insecurity them. and everything that you're experiencing and, and actually be with them in it? I mean, look, I'm single, <laughs> but I have coached a lot of people who are married sure. and in relationships. I think that what I would want if it were me, I think just like, there's so many steps that would have to happen before you even go out to LA. There were conversations that would have to be, you know what I mean? So I think it's like in the very beginning, like if you can just hold the space without judgment Mm -hmm. and just allow the person to like feel safe telling you that, that, that dream, I mean, that can go, that can do so much good just to be able to hold that space and not, you know, to help them feel safe, you know, letting you know that they want this dream. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Okay. You guys, we've got to wrap up this conversation. Erica Warnick. I I was like, oh, how long has it been? Oh, it felt like just a minute. It just felt like a minute. All right. So Erica Warnick, you are coming out with a new book meant for this. Um, That's so exciting. And okay. So if if you want to get the first chapter, which is pretty darn good read, by the way. Thank you. um, uh, You want to go to Erica Warnick? No, no. Ah, I blew it. I blew it. You're okay. not really a super fan, are you? Successcoach.com. Yes. Oh my gosh. And click the, the link there. And get the free chapter just like Justin. Chapter, Justin's yeah. not the only one that gets to read a free chapter of Eric. No, no yes. Um, Please get it. And I mean, I think this is so good too if you have kids and you know to support their dreams, to understand that journey. I think this yeah. would be so good. And even if you have a dream inside of you, it doesn't have to be a Hollywood dream. It can be any kind of dream that's kind of nagging at you, just any kind of little calling that you feel. Mm. Yes. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Erica, for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was such an honor. When we talk about dreams and Hollywood, I think of one of your favorite movies. Pretty Pretty Woman. Woman. Ah! What's your dream? Everybody's got a dream. What's your dream? Okay, for those of you that are not Pretty Woman aficionados, it's the guy, he's walking across the street in the beginning and loops it back around at the end. Yeah, it's like, it's this bookend uh, to the whole story. And it's, if you've seen the movie and you don't remember this, go back and watch the movie again. Yeah. Um, So every time I think of Erica... Uh, I think of that guy in that Yeah, <laughs> What's your dream? What's your dream? <laughs> um, and it, it is busy. It's ha- Life is busy. Like we're trying to build businesses and careers and raise kids and now School deal with loans. pandemics yeah. and all the things. All the things. As busy and it's stressful and it can be overwhelming. And one of the key ways that we um, navigate that, not try to escape it, which is easy for me to fall into. Sure. But to navigate that stress and that overwhelm is to actually come back to what are the dreams that we're fighting for Mm. that we want? What's something bigger than the circumstance we're in right now? What's something that feels impossible and how do we make it possible? So, you know, in a couple of years, we're probably going to be moving. Mm. And so we're starting to talk and dream about 
where we want to go. You know, what neighborhood? Are we going to stay in this neighborhood? Are we going to buy a different house? I just want to acknowledge that that can be a hard shift right now. It can be a really hard shift. All right, but you get to talk. Yeah. You get to talk about it with your spouse this week. And now the talk (laughs) about it segment of the show. Each week, we challenge you to set a time with your spouse to have a conversation that matters. Okay, here's your conversation starter question. What is a dream you have that you have not chased yet? Mm. Mm. Now, it doesn't mean you have to chase it tomorrow. Just a little mm. glimpse into your heart, to your dream world mm. for your spouse. All right, say. I may, uh, this, this is a dangerous episode because it really has reignited that. Uh, maybe I should run off to Hollywood. Dangerous in a good way. Yeah. All right, so if you'd like to join this movement and become an intimacy igniter, a legendary oh, yeah. couple, the best place to get started is our free Roommates to Soulmates five-day marriage challenge. So get your spot at soulmateschallenge.com. The next challenge is coming up soon, so you can go ahead and sign up now. All right, that's it for today's show. We've started the conversation here. We hope you'll join us over in the community on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you. Don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.